When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. The U.S. Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov career usbp. On the show today, we only have two topics to discuss. First, the myth of experts and how our society is run. Second, a review of the new movie, The Sound of Freedom. So there's a lot to discuss, so let's get to it. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer, my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And we're very grateful that you're joining us today. Uh, if you're new here, you know, we like to always get it out up front and early that we ourselves are not religionless. We're very Christian folks, um, very religious people. But the world, and especially this country that we're in, is not. It's increasingly secular and increasingly religionless, you could say. So that in part is where the name comes from. Um, if you want to figure out the rest of the name, go watch one of our first three episodes. Uh, we discussed that, but we're going to try to do today what we always do on Saturdays, and that's just look at the world around us and try to make sense of it with a Christian perspective. And I think we have some good topics to discuss here. Maybe the first one, the myth of experts, um, is a little bit uh, not necessarily, you know, I guess overtly Christian, but it's good to understand the world that we find ourselves in. Mm -hmm. um, that's important. And I think this myth of experts is um, a good way to look at that. And then, yeah, our review from the the movie, The Sound of Freedom, I think should be pretty good, hopefully. So a lot to discuss with just those two topics. But before we get into all of that, honey, do you have any prayer requests, any praise reports, or just anything to get off your chest before we get to I'll it? I'll vent, no. Uh, just thanks to those who've been praying uh, about our house situation in Arkansas. We had some not very good tenants. Um, anyway, our house sold as is, and we are very glad we're done with it. So thank you for your prayers. Yeah, that's a huge blessing to be um, out from under that house and uh, to sell. I mean, we've sold you know, two houses. It was relatively quick and easy mm -hmm. both times. So praise God for that. I yeah. know that's not always the case with folks and selling houses, but um, it was the case for us. So we are grateful for that. Now, um, we'll get our plugs out of the way here so we can dive into these topics. A lot to discuss, a lot of audio clips and stuff to go through. So um, before we get to that, you guys know we love Cardinal Contingency Solutions. And I think in our discussion here on the sound of freedom, uh, I think it's, I guess, important to, you know, pitch Cardinals travel risk management. There's dangerous places all over this world. And if you're not um, prepared for a lot of these environments and you think that you're just walking down your normal American suburban street and you're in these other countries, uh, you could find yourself in a very dangerous situation really quickly. So 
Cardinal, uh, they're the place to go to figure out, you know, how to handle yourselves in these foreign nations, because you should travel. You know, if you're a missionary worker, you should go and share the gospel and and do what you're called to do, but you don't have to do it blindly and, you know, uh, just hope for the best. You can actually be prepared for the situations you're about to step into, you know, whatever country that happens to, to be that you're going to. Cardinal can make sure that you're well prepared before you step out the door. So their link will be down in the show notes. Reach out to them. If you have questions, see what they can offer you. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And um, you guys know that we're proud members of the Christian podcast community. You can go there. I think they just added a new show this week, um, or they're adding a new show. Every time they have a new uh, show requesting to join, they put it out to the podcast community at large and ask us to listen to it and give our recommendations, whether for it or against it. Seemed like there was a resounding um, approval of the, I think it's called Iron Sharpens Iron, is a new podcast. So somewhere around 55 to 60 good Christian podcasts on there. You know, you can go there one feed on any podcasting platform that you listen on and you get access to all the shows. So it's a great way to find good Christian podcasts to listen to from a wide range of topics. So it's good times. Um, and then lastly, the shameless plug here, if you guys want to help the show in any way, the easiest way for you to do that is just, you know, leave a like, um, if you're on YouTube, rumble, whatever happens to be follow, subscribe with whatever platform you're on. And if you're on the podcast, please consider leaving a review. Um, we don't get very many reviews. I think having some nice, good reviews would be helpful. Mm -hmm. So if you got a few moments of time, consider leaving a nice review. Um, if your podcast platform allows for that, that would certainly help us there as well. And then if you want to go above and beyond, uh, you can use the affiliate links down in the show notes to Amazon, Christian Books. I think we even have Best Buy down there. Um, you use those links, we get a small percentage at no extra cost to you. That helps us. And then we also have links to buy me a coffee. If you just want to support the show directly, that stuff helps. Uh, and more than just monetary, it helps just by letting us know that people listen and they're, you know, in agreement with us in a sense. We also have links to our website. You can go on there and find, um, you know, our t-shirts. We have some t-shirts up for sale and go buy yourself a t-shirt. It's nothing that like, let me see if I can pull it up here. Nothing that like shamelessly plugs our show. They're just Christian shirts. Um, and, you know, so you don't have to feel like you're wearing the shirt and you're somehow, you know, supporting religionless Christianity. We prefer you just support Christ in the Bible. So there's links to the shirts on there and you can go check those out. Buy one. We get, again, a small percentage of that. It helps us, and we would appreciate it. So, anywho, um, we'll cue the music. I think the music is noteworthy this week, or it's worth cueing this week, um, because the news isn't that great. Um, the world we find ourselves in is a tricky place, and um, it's hard to navigate at times. And The Sound of Freedom, while a great movie, exposes a awful... Mm -hmm. awful truth about this world that we live in so yeah uh, i think the music is worthy all right so i've wanted to discuss this topic of the myth of experts for a very long time i think nikki and i have probably discussed this a dozen times or so over the two years we've been doing this podcast um, but the opportunities just never really presented itself that well uh, to, to have this discussion 
And that was until last week. <laughs> uh, last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago now. I'm not sure what the date is. Yeah, June 25th. So two weeks ago or so. Um, Glenn Beck released a new podcast. Um, this was episode one, which is the only reason it caught my attention. It's because I saw it. I was like, episode one. Like Glenn Beck has thousands of episodes. Um, but this was a new podcast, I guess, series that he's launching. So I gave it a listen. And it was exactly what I was looking for to have a, you know, road into this discussion on the myth of experts. And not everyone's a fan of Glenn Beck. I get that. But I think what this podcast does is what Glenn Beck is very good at. It's, you know, looking back at history and sort of making the connections that have led us to our modern day life. And I think this podcast does that really well. Yeah. So the podcast that we're going to be using for our discussion today like uh, like I said, it's episode one. It's called Control Freaks, The Scientific Roots of Progressive Tyranny. And um, I think this is a very important topic for us to be discussing. Um, and again, we probably should have been talking about it sooner because we live in a world and especially a nation because he focuses mostly on America here um, that's ruled by supposed experts, mm -hmm. you know. And we've allowed ourselves to be ruled and governed, even in our personal lives, by these supposed experts. And while in some respects it has its benefits, it also has a lot of negatives. You know, there's mm -hmm. the positive side when <clears throat> experts get things right. <laughs> and, you know, you can all benefit like that or benefit from that. You know, like if your favorite Christian podcast host, you know. We're experts in Christian living, supposedly. And if we tell you that your lifestyle is sinful and you need to repent and believe in Christ, and then you take that loving advice, you repent and you spend eternity in heaven. No, we just show you where to get the advice from. Well, that's a positive benefit from it. Now, the negative side of that is maybe say you have a doctor who tells you that your baby's going to be born with a mental handicap, so you should abort it. And you should just take the doctor's expert advice, right? That's terrible advice. Or maybe, you know, you're told that 95% of scientists and medical professionals agree in the safety of an experimental medical trial. So you believe them and you take it. That can have negative side effects, right? Um, so there's positives and negatives. It just seems that the negatives far outweigh the positive most of the time. It just seems a lot of the medical experts are doing more harm than good, at least the ones that have a platform and the media pushes to the front. Right. And that's the big problem with this myth of experts, because it's not that experts don't exist. Of course, they right. exist. Um, but a lot of times the experts that we're exposed to are mm -hmm. the experts that are given to us for a very specific purpose, typically monetary reasons or mm -hmm. political power reasons. So we're being given the experts that they want us to have because mm -hmm. they're giving you a point of view that they want us to have or they want you to have. So it's not that experts don't exist. They do exist. Um, but also experts are human. You know, just because you're an expert in, you know, medical science doesn't mean that you're never wrong. But if all we're trained to do is just believe everything an expert tells you, then when they're wrong, you're just going to have to eat it, right? And accept it as the gospel until they tell you that was wrong. And now they have a new gospel, Right, this so, reminds me of the false prophets today. They can be wrong, but people just keep believing them. Yeah, I only have to be right 10% of the time, and that's <laughs> enough, right? So, I mean, it's the same thing. We're not suggesting that expertise in and of itself is a myth. But 
it's just the idea of this expertise society that we've been mm -hmm. led to just, you know, govern every aspect of our life and they can never be wrong. And if they're wrong, they're, they used to be wrong, but they're right now. So even if you believe the wrong information before, we'll believe the new information now because it's right until they realize it wasn't right. And the new information is I'm like, you don't have to look stupid in a way. It's like, well, I was just following the expert. and But the ones who question the experts or the science are the ones who are called names and, you know, conspiracy theorists just for questioning. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, for most people, I'm sure it's a, a comfort thing. It's a, I don't have to do any work on my own thing. I can just yeah. say, I believe the experts, right? I read it. I heard it on the news. The scientist told me good enough for me. I don't need to look into it anymore, which is not what America's supposed to be. You know, we're supposed to be the land of the rugged individual, mm -hmm. you know, the <laughs> you see all the don't tread on me flags, the live free or die bumper stickers. But we become a place that's completely willing to trade all that in to be, you know, led around by these supposed experts who they know what's best for us. And that's the idea of this myth of experts. Well, it's so. not just America. I mean, it's, you know, we're talking about Christians here too, the religionless Christianity, like Christians following the world. Um, we should be questioning. We're supposed to test everything against scripture, at least for Christians. You yeah, know, absolutely. everybody should question the science, but especially Christians. We have the word of God to test all things. Yeah. I mean, especially what anything, I mean, again, that's why you need to be in the Word so you know what to test it against. So when you see something that begins to lead you even slightly away from the, the Word of God, you should be, it's our responsibility to do that that work and test it and look into it. Yeah, this um, is why we don't fear uh, the things that they push in the media uh, the, that the experts say, because we know what God's Word says. Right, like you know, concerning we the future. About this before you don't have to freak out and lose sleep over climate change. Yeah, the Bible's already spoken on it, right? You don't have to fear it anymore. But that does take some looking into, um, and then making your own decisions, and also the dreaded fear of potentially being called a kook <laughs> or a crazy person, <laughs> right? Because everyone's a kook and a crazy person until they're proven right. But um. <laughs> So we have some clips here that we're just going to play through and discuss as we go along, as we typically like to do. Um, so we'll just jump into these first clips. We have a few of them. It's about an hour-long podcast, so we're certainly not going to play all of it, but it's going to be our sermon recommendation, uh, or not our sermon recommendation, but our podcast recommendation at the end of the show. We'll have two recommendations for you guys if you want to go give them a listen, but we'll just get into this and get this thing rolling. This podcast is going to try to give you honest history, the good, the bad, the ugly, without an agenda, just the truth of how we got here. How did this happen? American pilgrims came over not just because they wanted to worship God the way they saw God. They were also escaping a tyrant. A tyrant that was an expert appointed by God. That's why William Tinsdale was burned at the stake. He just felt that you shouldn't have to go to a priest that worked for the king to read the Bible or actually stand there while someone told you what it said. 
So that's kind of the intro to the podcast. But, you know, here again, this is why this is important and why I think it's something we need to be discussing. Because in the grand scheme of human history, you know, we're not very far removed from our faith being entirely dictated to us by experts. Mm -hmm. You know, what, 500 years ago or so? Um, that's not very long ago in the scheme of human history. Mm -mm. You know, and this priest, as Glenn said, this was the expert, and he would tell you what the word of God um, said. You know, and if it said, for example, that the Catholic Church, you know, for a certain amount of money, you could buy an indulgence from them. And, you know, if you bought that indulgence, you could be freed from your sins, right? Those Christians, you know, these experts, they were potentially leading, uh, leading people to hell with these, um, their expert understanding, right, of the word of God. So, mm -hmm. you know, it ultimately took the lives of these God-fearing men and women, like he talks about here with William Tyndale, you know, Martin Luther, obviously, to lead basically, in many respects, a bloody revolution, a, a reformation, if you will, right, against these experts, just to get the Bible into commoners' hands. Just seeing how far gone our country is, you know, like, what's it going to take? We're just so far so far gone in so many areas. Yeah, I mean, you always, you know, this is rock bottom. You know, this is what's going to wake people up. You know, you'll have a parade in Pride Month where they're saying, you know, we're coming for your children. Like, that's that's enough. People are going to wake up. Nope, they're probably sleeping deeper than you even realize. Oh, um, but, you know, so even according to our faith, that's why this myth of experts, um, is something we need to pay attention to and um, kind of take back our own um, autonomy, if you will, of, you know, being humans and thinking things through on our own. Um, I think it was William Tyndale, the quote uh, that he said, you know, I will cause a, a boy who drives a plow to know more of the scriptures than the Pope. That was his <laughs> idea that we don't need an expert to tell us what God's word said. Just give the people the Bible let the Holy Spirit work in them, and they'll understand it just fine on their own. And that's it was so, especially in today's world, we live in a technological society. You have all the information from the history of the world right at your fingertips, in your pocket, and yet somehow we can't be trusted to actually research and come up with any conclusions on our own. You just have to let the experts tell you what everything means. Like, it's just lazy. Even when you large. come out and you like share something on social media that's true. You got the fact checkers come in and flag in your post if it goes against their community standards or whatever. Like You can't even try and dig up the truth and share it. They're going to block it and say, no, that's a myth or something else. Yeah. And if you just saw what just this week, um, Justin Hart, I believe, released on Twitter like a 25-point thread um, from it's a lawsuit going on in Missouri against the Biden administration and list out 25 individual points where the Biden administration was um, requesting that social media uh, restrict or um, block certain posts on Twitter and Facebook, all relating to COVID. So these experts, the ones that are flagging you for misinformation or false information, it's just false information or misinformation because it goes against their narrative. Mm -hmm. Again, the experts have decided this narrative is the approved narrative. So even if you got facts, articles, you know, studies to back up your point of view, 
it's false if the experts have deemed it doesn't line up with their narrative, yeah, right? that's all it is. Um, very dangerous stuff here. So let's go to this next uh, clip here. So how did we get here? How many times in the past few years have you heard some version of this? Health experts say your time might be running out. Experts say it's happening. Well, experts, health experts say. Some experts, experts follow the science. Follow the science. Be driven by science. Listen to the scientists. I mean, you could probably, and you've probably seen clips like this in other places where they just yeah. stitch together. I love when they do that and you're like, wow, you really see what they're pushing. Yeah, I mean, you see like in this one that, you know, gong, the resounding gong of trust the experts, trust the science. Mm-hmm. We've seen the other ones where they put together, you know, all the yeah, news anchors that repeat the word for word, yeah, the same quote, script. right? The propaganda script being put out there. But you could probably stitch together a clip like this for hours, you know, just in the recent years of, you know, people saying this, trust the experts, trust the science, all this sort of stuff. Um, but the question you have to ask is, who are these experts and who are these scientists that we're supposed to trust? Um, because most likely, if you're like us at all, right, you've never heard of them until you're being told that they're the expert that you must listen to and trust. First time you ever hear, oh, here's a guy. He's an expert that's supposed to tell me how I'm supposed to live my life and raise my kids and care for my, like, I've never heard of him before. And this made me think, I mean, because this has been going on forever. I remember back during the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, we would hear the same thing. You know, the news would bring somebody on and here's so-and-so. He's a Middle East expert. He's an expert on whatever. And you're like, how are you? What does a Middle East expert mean? Like we've been in the Middle East for two years and somehow you're an expert already. thought that took a lifetime. Um, well, they're an expert yeah. because they told you they're an expert. So shut up and accept it, right? Um, so that's kind of you know, it's been going on for decades. And that's kind of what Glenn is going to lay out in this podcast here, that it's been going on forever. And it's pervasive. It's, um, it covers all aspects of our life. And it's because it's designed to cover all aspects of our life. That's the point of it. But if we now have access to so many experts and so much science, why is it that everything seems to be breaking down and basic common sense is gone? Answer, expertise killed it. Yeah, that is the absolute truth. Um, And here's the problem with living in a society that's run by experts. You know, we accept that they're experts and we must heed their direction. It's like we don't have to think or question anything anymore. We have experts to do the thinking for us now and we can just trust them. More critical thinking on our end. No, you don't have to think anymore, and you don't even have to question when it was wrong before, right? Because, well, it's just, you know, how many times have we heard, well, the science changed? Well, I believe the old science. Well, you're an idiot. Believe the new science now because it changed. Like, okay. And there's no critical thinking of, well, what if it changes again? Shut up. The experts will tell you when it changes, right? So no matter how many times they get things wrong, no matter how many times they screw things up or they make things worse, it doesn't matter, right? Because they're experts and they're the only ones that can fix the mess that they have made, right? I mean, think of the the government that we're living in now, a government that sunk us $32 trillion in debt, you know, broken things in a thousand different pieces, yet 
they're all the same people that have been in Washington for 30 years. They've broken it all. Mm -hmm. And yet every day, every week, every month, every election cycle, they're the only ones who can fix it. And we go, yeah, I better vote for Mitch McConnell again or else, you know, then what'll happen if he's, well, he's been there the whole time. How is he going to fix something that he's caused so many problems, right? It just, but we mm. shut off that critical thinking. It's just easier to let the expert handle it. Um, we've been trained to let the expert handle it in every respect. So uh, very unchristian-like mindset to have because Christians, you know, we're told, uh, let me see if I can pull up here, Proverbs 3, 5, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Um, that's what Christians are told. But today, you know, we trust the experts with all our heart and we feel no need to look anywhere else. We don't look to the word of God. We don't look to even our own selves by and large. It's just trust in the experts, leave everything else, you know, out of our minds. Just with, just with chapter one of the Bible, people don't believe in the literal creation, like literal six days. How, how many Christians for how many years believed in a Big Bang Theory? And how many believe in evolution partly? Like, try to get that in there a little bit. Yeah, theistic evolution isn't a thing. Um, but because, you know, and I think part of that too is, right, they don't, again, they don't want to be made fun of. You don't want to be the kook or the crazy person. So you somehow try to jam, you know, the modern expert, you know, accepted worldview into your Christian worldview and think that you can somehow make them you look like um, a fool jive you can't right um they're two different worldviews but mm -hmm. um so in this podcast again we're not going to play the whole thing because it's long but glenn goes back to about the turn of the 19th century and he focuses um basically the first half of this podcast or the majority of the podcast on a gentleman named frederick taylor um is sort of the the starting point of this expertise-driven society that we live in today. Um, Frederick Taylor developed a system that he dubbed scientific management, <laughs> and he wrote a book on it called The Principles of Scientific Management. Um, I'll have links in the show notes, affiliate links, if you want to go and pick up a copy of that book for yourselves and figure out... Are you going to get it? Probably not. I have enough <laughs> to read with school and all of that, but uh, I may. You know, It's always interesting to read, you know, what the enemies, you know, what their tactics are that they're using against us, you know, because so much of this stuff, it isn't just happening, you know, by chance, you know, this is all well, right. you know, determined and it's built over years and years, you know, it's, um, the devil plays the long game, you know, and at least yep. in this nation, they've learned that, you know, like outright communism, generally comes about by a bloody revolution that's ugly and it can cause people to reject it. But they've learned that this progressivism, the slow burn of communism is much, people are much more willing to accept it. And we see that in our nation. And um, so it's, it's worthwhile to read if you have the time or the um, desire to, to read, you know, what these people are putting in place and really how long it's been being built on. You know, this is why you know, we're not just going to overturn all the problems in our country by reelecting Donald Trump right. or something. One election is going to fix it. These are processes that have been being laid out and built on for a hundred years or more. This is more families 
raising their children in the right way. This isn't yeah. even who you elect. This is people turning their hearts to God. And it is going to take a generation. It can take one gen. I mean, yeah, if we get our kids um, following God and questioning <laughs> those in authority, um, yeah, they can make a difference. It can have a be changed in a generation or two. I mean, certainly can, but it's going to take Christians, and we should be people that have an eternal perspective. You know, they've been building these processes for a hundred years. We should be as determined as they are to fight and grind and build, you know, a yeah. righteous, you know, environment to live in. We should be just as determined as they are to lead us astray and off the narrow path. So that's why we've said for a while, homeschooling is a revolution. Yeah. Get your kids out of school. Yeah. Raise them yourselves. Raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Love God. Have a lot of kids, right? Like that's the way you're going to start turning the tide. Um, but again, it's going to take decades or generations to turn us back. It's not just going to be, I elected the right guy and now I don't need to do anything. Because that's the same lie of expertise that we're arguing against. Yes. We just yep. think, well, if I get my expert in there, then he'll do what I want and things are going to be fine. No, you have to do the work, right? <laughs> you can't just elect someone to take care of it for you. But the book will be in the show notes. If you want to go give it a read, I encourage it. Uh, I would read it. I just, I've got enough to read. Uh, I try to be honest with myself. I wouldn't get to it. Uh, but maybe in time I will. Who knows? Or you could just listen to this podcast and, you know, consider yourself an expert because you heard 20 minutes <laughs> of a discussion on it. Uh, that's the American way. So, we're going to skip most of the backstory, though, in regards to Frederick Taylor. Um, it's fascinating to hear about. It's always fascinating to hear about where these things sort of start and mm -hmm. how they start, you know, kind of benign Frederick Taylor, you know, who is this guy and how does his ideas take hold and catch fire in this nation? But it does. So it's pretty interesting. Um, but I will just mention here, he discusses that some of Frederick Taylor's biggest fans um, were Benito Mussolini, <laughs> Vladimir Lenin, and our very own Woodrow Wilson. And what do they all have in common? They're authoritarians. Go figure, right? People who are, you know, want to rule over you with their expertise are all authoritarians. And I thought, you know, just as a side note, it's worth mentioning here because I think this is the big problem with a liberal mindset. You know, you kind of have the conservative or traditionalist mindset or this liberal progressive mindset. And, you know, the conservative mindset, as far as I understand, is kind of a mindset of, you know, I believe what I believe and I don't really care what you believe, right? You're, I don't care what you do. I'm going to do my thing. You do your thing. You believe what you want. You know, it's the Thomas Jefferson. If it doesn't break my leg or pick my pocket, what difference is it to me? That's kind of the conservative mindset. Whereas the liberal mindset is, I believe what I believe, and I believe you should believe what I believe. And I think that's a big distinction. I think it's why you find so many liberals that go into academics um, or, you know, because they want to teach. They like to teach you what they know because they believe it and they believe you should believe it as well. Um, I think that's why you find so many people as journalists or newscasters with a liberal mindset and especially politicians mm -hmm. right? because they believe something and they know that it's best for you to believe that as well. Um, yeah. So I had he plays in here, if I can pull it up, the, uh, the C.S. Lewis quote. And I think it's so fitting for this. I mean, obviously, that's why he has it in the podcast. But 
in this idea of the liberal mindset and how they they really believe that what they're doing is best for you um, because it's what they believe. Why would they believe it if it wasn't the best thing to believe? So let's hear what C.S. Lewis had to say on this. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep, but those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. Yeah, like that is the <laughs> tyranny of the this liberal, liberally-minded expertise-driven society. Um, they're doing it for your own good. Um, yep. It's benevolent of them. So, um, of course, C.S. Lewis was spot on. So, you know, we get fed this line of um, experts. But the problem with that line is there's no neutral expert. And I think we kind of always get fed the line that, you know, Sure, there's people with their political bends and stuff, but the experts are neutral. They're just, right, trust the science. The science not mm -hmm. isn't political, um, but everyone has beliefs, and your beliefs influence your thinking. That's just human nature. Nobody's free of that. Um, it influences every decision that you make. You know, if you look at the Supreme Court, for example, right? We're told that there are nine, you know, constitutional and legal experts Yet they almost always rule basically straight down party lines. So how can that be if they're all experts that are just going, you know, telling us what the law says? Well, how come the law is always down straight political lines? Yeah. It's because they're humans, right? They're sure they're experts in the law, but they're humans and they have their beliefs and their beliefs influence everything about them. Um. And in the case of this world, right, the experts that were given, again, they're human, right? But by and large, most of them, because we have a society that's godless, is they're godless. Um, they're driven by money and power. You know, so should we be giving our decisions um, to people who are just kind of seeking to advance themselves either monetarily or through political mm -hmm. power? Um because that's who these self-professed experts are. And that's kind of the case that he makes in this podcast is um, it's not so much that they're necessarily experts. They're self-professed experts. Mm -hmm. um, and it's generally for their own gain. Um, so that's why we need to be leery of it. Because I think the Supreme Court's a perfect example of how we see expertise being influenced by, you know, political beliefs. Uh, obviously, we see that in politics a lot. But we mm -hmm. saw it during the pandemic as well, right? Um, I don't think there was anything um, to suggest that these experts weren't motivated by something outside of strictly science, at least the ones we were presented with. Again, not to say that mm -hmm. there weren't experts that existed out there, but the ones we were presented with, that's kind of yep. what we're getting at here. Uh, we got more clips to get through, though. Yes. You can really see Taylor's elitism shining through as he discusses the pig iron job in his book. Quote, This work is so crude and elementary in its nature that the writer firmly believes that it would be possible to train an intelligent gorilla so as to become a more efficient pig iron handler than any man can be. 
Yet it will be shown that the science of handling pig iron is so great and amounts to so much that it is impossible for the man who is best suited to this type of work to understand the principles of this science or even to work in accordance with these principles without the aid of a man better educated than he is. I mean, if you could make sense of what he was saying there, this is still the mindset today. You know, he's talking about Frederick Taylor. He kind of got famous for this pig iron study that he did. Um, again, you'll have to listen to the full episode to understand the whole pig study thing. But it's the mindset that you're too stupid and therefore you need an expert to tell you what's best. Um, and that is essentially still the same mindset today. And it's the anti-American mindset. You know, the founders, they trusted in the American people. They trusted mm -hmm. that the people had all the facts, they would make the right decision. You know, they may make individually bad decisions here and there, but they would generally move in the right direction. The experts we have today, they don't believe that. They believe left to your own devices, you'll make all the wrong decisions because you're too stupid to know mm -hmm. what's right for you, um, which is why we need to reject that. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys saw recently, there was sort of a back and forth on Twitter with um, Joe Rogan, Robert Kennedy Jr. Um, and they were, you know, discussing the vaccine and, you know, Robert Kennedy Jr. is labeled a huge anti-vaxxer and all this sort of stuff. And I believe on the podcast, RFK Jr. said he would debate, you know, anybody on the idea of vaccine-related injur injuries. And then uh, there was this gentleman um, who, again, he's one of those experts, apparently, um, the experts that you've never heard of until you've heard of them. But, you know, this guy named Peter Hotez, I believe is his name. Uh, he jumped on here and I'll see if I can pull up one of the tweets. Um, yeah, so he comes on here and he basically says, hey, you know, Spotify is not even stopping Joe Rogan from spreading this misinformation, all this sort of stuff. And Joe Rogan, I think in response to that, offered Peter Hotez $100,000 to come on his show and debate RFK Jr. on the this vaccine misinformation. Uh, you know, Peter Hotez, though, the supposed expert, um, he obviously declined to come on the show. You know, he mentioned, hey, I'll come on your show and have a discussion. I'm not debating RFK Jr. on vaccine misinformation and all this sort of stuff. Um, so he refused to come on and debate it. He said he, he would give him that money so he could use it for a charity of his choice. So then it makes him look bad for not debating. Like, Right. Well, hey. and it's even more than that. I believe other people jumped in and said, Hey, I'll add money to this as well. I think it wound up being almost a quarter million dollars yeah. to charity. Um, but the expert refused to come on. Even though somehow he's supposed to govern our life, it's beneath him to come on and have this discussion with RFK Jr. Yeah, he cares so much. People know the truth. He would come on because he knows how many people listen to his podcast. Yeah. And I mean, educate us all. You would assume. <laughs> and um, But what's interesting is in that discussion... Peter Hotez, the supposed expert, had an endless stream of defenders running to his defense. Um, and they their responses went, you know, from starters to like, ah, he doesn't need to go on there. You know, um, 
then it ramped up to like, well, Peter Hotez doesn't have anything to prove. He's a doctor. He's, you know, an expert, this sort of thing. And then it ultimately got to the point where like, he should refuse to go on because it would be dangerous to debate these sort of kooks like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Dangerous. You know, Man. it's dangerous to even engage with these people because it gives, <laughs> you know, it validates their arguments and this sort of stuff, right? So people just trust the expert, you know, don't uh, don't speak against the expert. He's He has a doctorate. He, you know, whatever. He's got letters after his name. In him, we will trust, right? He doesn't even need to explain himself anymore. Uh, you know, I even had, there was one exchange, I think, um, from Mark Cuban. Let me see if I have that on here. Yeah, Mark Cuban. He says, trying to bully Dr. Hotez is ridiculous. You have producers that will prepare you and you get to control the conversation. RFK Jr. also has a staff ready to prepare him, and these topics are what he talks about in every speech. You both do this on a daily basis. Dr. Hotez works every day to try to find ways to help people, right? So he's the expert. He doesn't even need to engage in this. You guys are just going to be cornering him. It's dangerous, all this sort of stuff, right? Bend over backwards to excuse away the expert, Um and I will also mention, if you followed that thread, Peter Hotez definitely grifted that controversy as hard as possible um, to make himself the victim. But this is just a very common tactic in the expert class, right? Anytime anybody disagrees with them, right, they'll just smear you as a kook, you're an extremist, a conspiracy theorist, all this sort of stuff. They'll marginalize you, they'll bully you all in an attempt to quell dissent, right? Because now if you listen to RFK Jr. and you think, well, there's some, seems to be some stuff worth discussing. It doesn't sound terribly crazy what he has to say. Oh, well, you're a kook and a crazy person too. And people are going to make fun of you. And now you're a weirdo. And you're like, it'd be better if I just didn't even voice those opinions, um, right? It's just a, an attempt to marginalize you and silence any dissent. You're not allowed to question. You're not allowed to disagree with the experts. They're the experts. You're an idiot. Shut up and accept what they say, right? You know, do you have a degree? Did you go to Stanford Medical School? Well, who cares if you have the internet? You didn't go, how do you even, you can't even possibly understand how to read a study. You didn't go to medical school. I mean, you can't read English words on a page and understand it. You're a fool. Just let Dr. Peter Hotez tell you what it means. Um, that's the myth of experts in the society that we find ourselves in. Here is the progressive hero narrative of experts in action. Poor Schmidt had no chance on his own. But with rules and prodding by expert overseers, he can rise above his station. <laughs> like, isn't that what we just discussed last week with the affirmative action yeah. decision from the Supreme court and all the people coming out and crying against it, you know, poor black people. Oh, they're too stupid and too lazy to rise on their own. Let the experts in the universities and the politicians give them the helping hand that they need. And funny enough on YouTube, after we, somebody, I'm assuming it had to have been a bot. I don't know. Um, Cause they responded twice with the exact same, question 
But somehow they apparently listened to our whole discussion on affirmative action. And they're like, so you're telling me as, you know, a member of the Air Force that you think black people are too stupid and too lazy? I question your ability to lead. And I was like, I think we said the exact opposite point. Somehow you listened to our episode. Yeah. And you heard the exact opposite of what we said. So it must have been a bot. That's I don't know. That's weird. But yeah. Like, but isn't that what we just heard with them, right? You know, people going, hey, you know what? I don't think minorities need to be given this extra leg up. I think they're perfectly capable of succeeding on their own. And people go, whoa, 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 hold on a second. There's no way they can succeed on their own. We need to help them. That's what the expert class is here for. We're here to make sure um, that they get a leg up. The world is racist. Everybody knows that. The experts have already determined that it's racist. Um, somehow all of these black and intellectual elites that have risen to the highest station in life, they're the ones that have determined the world's racist, even though it didn't affect them in any way somehow. Yet everyone else that's too stupid and not as successful as them, they need a helping hand. Well, if you think someone's going to give you a handout or help you jump over hurdles, you're not going to give it your best. Well, you don't you're need just, to. Yeah. I mean, you're just trained to not. When you realize that, you know, this isn't a merit-based society, it's a victim-based society, yeah. well, then be a victim. That's what helps you be successful. your victimhood, yeah. Right? Colin Kaepernick could either work really hard to be the best quarterback he could be, or he could go and be a social justice warrior. Um, which one seemed easier? You know, obviously, being a social justice warrior. He was losing ground in a merit-based system called starting quarterback in the NFL, but now he can just be a social justice grifter for the rest of his life. Um, that's a job that'll pay him forever. So, I mean, that's, I just thought that clip was perfect, right? You don't have to let your personal experience get in the way. They have science on their side. Your experience means nothing to the science. Um, just the same as vaccine-related injuries, right? Your experience with your child is stupid and irrelevant because science agrees you're wrong. No matter what your personal experience is, right? Um, so just know in the world of affirmative action, you're disadvantaged and you need the expert's help. And all that help is going to cost you is your vote, of course. Yeah. Um, so this episode, though, it kind of starts with Frederick Taylor. Then it shifts into this kind of discussion on the American kind of institutionalization, if you want to call it that, of this scientific management in the political world. And it starts with really Woodrow Wilson um, in the early 1900s and a gentleman named Louis Brandeis. Um, Brandeis, he was this Harvard-educated lawyer. He kind of became a champion for progressivism. And he was, you know, a big hotshot lawyer. And while he was arguing this case against the railroad companies, he stumbles across this idea of scientific management and sort of the light bulb goes off in his head. That's kind of what Glenn um, lays out in this. But let's just move along here and keep these clips coming. Nothing captured progressivism quite like scientific management. Here was a bulletproof form of improved control. You couldn't argue that it wasn't better for you because it was based on science. More than a century later, progressives are still using this science argument. And that's why in my first inaugural address, I vowed to return science 
to its rightful place. Follow the scientists. The science. We have seen a pattern with this administration, which is they don't believe in science. The science is settled. Science, 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 and science. On almost every subject that you can name, science is the answer. The science determines what is the correct answer to a particular question. <laughs> the science, 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 and science. Whatever science speaks on, science is correct. Um, so this obviously fitting that he had very modern examples of this because this is absolutely the world that we see around us today. You know, science and scientists are heralded heralded as the great saviors of the human race. But the science, they say, is the truth, but everybody is believing in their own truth these days. So I can say, well, that's your science, not my science. It's just like saying that's your truth, not my truth. Right. They've led themselves in a place where both, you know, arguments have to be true. You have to believe the science, but your truth is your truth. And it's just as truthful as anybody else's truth. Like how do both of these line up? Well, they line up because the experts told you they line up. So shut up and accept it, right? Science changes. I don't know. It's just crazy thinking about just the more than one gender or more than two genders and the science. I'm like, how does that And that's a perfect (laughs) one of the lie of this myth of experts because they'll roll out science uh, or scientists and, you know, doctors and all different things that'll go down the gender, you know, is different than sex and gender gender has a myriad of different forms. And we're being pitched that this is science. This is the truth that you must believe. And you're like, it only takes a moment of thinking on your own to go, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I know. Well, the experts have already determined, so... You think, how much worse could it get? We keep saying rock bottom. (laughs) It can get worse, right? And it's scary to think we are not at rock bottom yet. There's the bottomless pit (laughs) in hell, and we're in the bottomless pit of just falling in our own depravity. But, you know, science and science or scientists really, like, they haven't always been considered, you know, the smartest people in the history of the world, right? It used to be poets, philosophers, even priests would be regarded as, you know, the smartest in their given societies. Um, But today it's just science, scientists, it all must be listened, adhered to, followed again, no matter how many There's some agenda, but it's like the people of the past, it's like you said, the poets, philosophers, that they have something to gain from it. Right. Because I mean, the idea of philosophers was we're trying to understand the world or, you know, whatever it is, we're trying to make sense of the world around. It's a constant quest to try to figure it out. Whereas science today says, well, there is no quest. We've already figured it out. So just believe us. It's like two different schools of thought where one is, no, keep looking, keep searching, keep, you know, digging deeper to understand. And the other one is, well, you don't need to dig any deeper. I've dug as deep as you can dig. Yeah. And I'm giving you the answers This makes now. me think of the Truman Show. If you guys haven't seen that, there's people who have not seen that yet. I'm like, how have you not seen that? It's funny as we get older now, like we're the ones where you bring up a movie that you just think is like a classic everyone's seen and the younger kids are like, uh, I literally talked to somebody not long ago that had never seen an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I was like, is that real? Yes, it is. So... <laughs> But Truman Show, I'm sure there's many that have never seen it before. And now, our kids like it. They they watch it quite often. Yeah, I mean that's such a good. There's so many things to catch in each time you watch it. You're like, oh, 
Oh, I didn't see that before. Yeah, What's that like, trying to say? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to look closer at the moon tonight and make sure it's not just uh, the executive suite for the producers. Um, <laughs> but right, like, you don't need to question. You don't need to be a philosopher anymore. The scientists have already, you know, figured out the solution. You just need to accept it. The science must be followed again, no matter how many times they get it wrong. I mean, just think if you were born in the 60s, how many times and in how many different ways you will have been terrified about the end of the world. We're going into a global cooling, a new ice age is coming. So you're freaking out about an ice age. And then 10 years later, they're like global warming is coming and you're going to be melted in your, oh my, like you're just these, and you're just riding that roller coaster of fear the whole time instead of just open up the Bible, read Revelation and go, oh, that's how it's going to end. I don't need to worry anymore then. God's got it under control, right? But you just, for 60 years, you've been riding this global cooling, global warming, and, you know, the world's going to end in nuclear war, and, like, they're still pitching that fear. Like, goodness gracious, I mean... The things going on today... You don't have to be that terrified every single moment of your life. I mean, how many times can the science prove wrong and you still just swallow it wholesale? It's crazy to me. Um, so I just think that's very fitting because that's very much the world we live in today. The science, 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 science. Um, just believe God. it. Don't question it. Science can't get it wrong until they get it wrong, but then they'll get it right. And you'll have to believe what they've gotten right this time as well until it proves wrong again. But don't worry about all that. Um, very odd world we find ourselves in. In that role, Brandeis was one of the chief architects of both the Federal Reserve Act and the new Federal Trade Commission. The Federal Reserve was absolutely transformational. It created 12 regional reserve banks controlled by the Federal Reserve Board. Naturally, board members were appointed by the president. But this government monolith would have power to adjust the interest rate, regulate banks, and control the nation's money supply. So that's that Louis Brandeis gentleman that we were talking about earlier. And isn't it fascinating that this man who is sort of an apostle of the scientific management principles is the same man that gave us the FTC, he said, but also the Federal Reserve. And is there any greater example of these experts, you know, dictating from on high and having disastrous effects on our lives than the Federal Reserve. I mean, we sit here today, $32 trillion in debt as a nation. The wealth gap in this nation's never been greater. Wages have largely been stagnant for decades. Uh, We have inflation through our eyeballs. But yet, what are you going to say about it? The experts are in charge. They know what's best for you, right? Like, what a perfect example of that. Um, these are the experts in finance. They know everything about finance and banking, right? 2008, the banking collapse happened, uh, or the housing market collapse, banking collapse. And they told us, we're going to put these rules in place to make sure this never happens again. And then 2022, 2023 rolls around a few, a decade and a half later, more banks collapse. Well, what happened to what the experts did before? Ah, you don't worry. They're going to put the rules in place now to make sure it never happens again. Trust the experts, right? No matter how many times they get it wrong. Just keep fooling us. Yep. You're just too stupid to understand all the chess pieces. You're playing checkers and they're playing chess. Um, That's probably true in the Mm -hmm. sense that they're playing chess and 
you know, because these, you know, Federal Reserve Bank chairmen's they're not losing any money. They've never been richer. You know, if your bank accounts are getting wiped out, your house is getting foreclosed on. They've never been richer. They got bigger yachts than they've ever had. Um, the, you know, expert-driven society is working out just fine for them. Isn't that wonderful? You can sleep easy tonight knowing that, uh, you know, the Fed chairman and these bank CEOs, their houses are bigger, their yachts are bigger, they have more gold bars stashed in their basement than they've ever had before. Sure, you're unemployed and your house got foreclosed on, but their life has never been better. You can still so trust You all. can sleep easy tonight knowing that. The experts have never been more comfortable. Here's how Princeton historian Thomas Leonard summed up Wilson's radical first term in office. Quote, by March 1917, the fourth branch of government was established. Fourth branch describes the independent government agencies staffed and advised by experts, which, though nominally inside the executive branch, were chartered specifically to be free of political influence, employing a permanent civil service rather than political appointees. These experts represented themselves as objective scientists above the political fray, administering progress for the good of all. <laughs> Can anyone say deep state? That sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, like this again is the country that we're in today. This is the way the country is ran today. You know, departments as far as the eye can see covering all aspects of our life, you know, homeland security, you know, to the Defense Department, the CDC, the NIH, right? As you said, all staff with experts that dictate nearly every aspect of the way that we live our lives in this nation. And they're all ran by these unelected career bureaucrats that are almost impossible to fire. They're the experts that rule over our lives. And we don't even get to vote and have a say in who they are. They just are there. And we just have to trust them because we're told they're the experts. Um, you know, if you want to know how business should be ran in this nation, we'll go see the Department of Labor. They'll tell you. Um, how much money are you actually allowed to keep? Well, the IRS has determined that. They know what's best. You know, if your child goes to school and the CDC, they had determined they better put a mask on. That's the safest way for them to go to school. The experts have determined it, right? Um, it's in the governmental experts that we live and breathe and have our being, right? Hail Hydra. It's just, it's everywhere, right? You want to know how our nation's wealth should be spent? Ukraine, that's the best place to put it. Why? Because the experts have said so. Um, you could ask questions, you could seek answers, but it'd be better and easier for you if you just knew that they know what's best for you and in their benevolence, they have your best interest at heart. So don't even ask the question. It's, it's ridiculous to even ask. Of course, they have your best interest at heart. You're just uh, going to hurt yourself if you question things. <laughs> yeah, you're not even smart enough to question effectively. The experts will tell you. Um, and if there's questions to be raised, the experts will raise them. And then whatever solution they come to, you can just accept that as well. That's the expert-driven society we're in. It really just makes people believe that there's people so much smarter than them. It does make them view themselves as not very smart. 
people don't think that they're capable of doing anything great or making change or improving life at all for anybody. They just... Well, it it does. I think it makes both. It makes people <clears throat> either feel that they're completely inadequate because these people are these almost godlike intellectual figures. Yeah. But then it also, on the other side, makes people completely arrogant and mm -hmm. overestimate their own knowledge base, right? right? You read an article by an expert and now somehow you're an expert on the topic, you know? Um, sure, it took I, that yeah. doctor 30 years of study to become an expert in whatever, vaccine, um, you know, production or whatever it happens to be. Well, you read an article in the Scientific American by the doctor, and now you know what he knows. Like, But when he's no. wrong, then you're wrong when that science is found out to be flawed. Until you go and read another expert. And right. again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be doing that. We should, but the arrogance that comes along with just following in the expert's footsteps, um, where it makes yeah. you sort of think that you're an expert. So you're either an, you know, an unjustified expert in your own right, or you feel completely inadequate when really we should be somewhere in the middle. This is why our own experiences, especially in our health and medicine, um, it's more important than whatever the scientists are saying. If it seems to contradict, you should believe it's contradicting. It. I'll tell you a perfect example from my own life. Um, I've never, and I've had a handful of experiences, but I've never heard a dietitian tell me the way I should eat, and I believed it. Um, every time I've had a dietitian, I've had a handful of encounters with, and these are college-educated degree carrying dietitians they're educated that's true and i hear them and they're always and forgive me i'm not trying to be disrespectful this is just personal experience they're all in worse shape than i am yeah um and i feel like everything that they tell me to do is just the the myplate.com yeah the you, my know, plate. you know uh way to eat you know make sure you got a closed fist size portion of protein you got, you know, a third carbs and vegetable. And I'm like, I, I'm going to take my eating advice from bodybuilders. I've always said that. Yes. That's they, how you follow the science. You see the results. Yeah. Their body is money. It must, you know, and these sorts of things. So that's just a personal example for me. Dietitians, they're the educated experts in the way to eat. And every time I hear them talk, I go, yeah, I don't think that's right. Um, or not right for you can Everybody. test things out for yourself. You have to be able to test the science. The common man can test a lot of things out, especially when it comes to your health. And I don't know if I brought up to you guys who've been praying for, I had a health concern, digestive, um, didn't get to go to the doctor yet. I should have brought this all up in the beginning. But the appointment, hopefully it'll be a few months down the road. It should have been sooner. But I did switch to a carnivore diet and all my symptoms are gone. So there is something to it, and regular doctors today will never tell you to go carnivore. Just yeah. saying, I tested it myself, and I'm completely better. Yeah, so I mean, just a simple one like that, eating you know, habits where very easy to test for yourself. Um, and you can do the research on your own and, and those sorts of things. So, um, yeah. but again, right, there's experts that cover the way we should eat and the way we should exercise and all these sorts of things. And you can either just close your brain off and do what the experts say, or you can be a thinking human 
Go and test it for yourself. You know, you can read different points of view and make your own conclusions. That's an American mindset. Um, it's a very simplistic um, example there, not the most important, uh, but something that's very easy to test for yourself. Mm-hmm. According to historian Jill Lepore, quote, Taylor fudged his data, lied to his clients, and inflated his record of success. An analysis of Taylor's work by two historians in the 1970s concluded, quote, a careful study of Taylor's published accounts of the story about his 1899 pig iron study, his biography, his papers, all revealed Taylor's story to be more fiction than fact. Well, it's good to know that the scientific uh, management apples don't fall far from the tree. So he kind of goes back there near the end to highlight that this the godfather of scientific management, this expertise-driven society, yeah, he kind of lied about most of his studies, all of his writings. But at this point, it doesn't matter, right? Um, you know, it's the, what's the saying? Uh, the Something's left the barn. Horses left the barn. I don't know. I don't know Some that old one. old-timey saying, but <laughs> right? The, the principles have already been established. Experts are already in place. So even if the founder of it all built it off of a lie, yeah, so what, right? I mean, is this not Moderna and Pfizer, right? Um, all the claims that they made about the vaccine and its safety and effectiveness, all this sort of stuff, all wrong. Eh, but what does it matter now? Um, the the horses left the barn, as they say. They may not say that. That quote could be completely wrong, and I have no idea. But um, Everybody's going to start saying it now. <laughs> yeah, don't say that quote. <laughs> Leave in the comments the proper quote, because I can't think of it. But right, it mattered before when we had time to make decisions on this, mm-hmm. when we had time to determine if this was right and what's best for us. Um, but since we're so programmed to simply just trust the experts, to trust the science, all this sort of stuff, we just go along with it. And by the time the lies come out, the truth is you know, determined, it's just a, uh, oh, well, right, the science changed. Maybe next time we'll do better. <laughs> yeah, maybe next time we'll get it right. Um, but they won't because right? Again, they're driven by their worldview, their politics, their money, their power, that sort of stuff. Um, so just uh, interesting to to see there. Uh, all built on a lie, right? Like so much in our society today. So it's a great podcast. Um, you should go, go give, I guess, the whole episode a listen there to figure out more of the backstory. But why is this important to Christians? Um, I think it's important because, again, this isn't just stories from a history book, right? This is the world that we're living in. We live in a scientific management world. That's the case that he makes is um, this was beginning, the bricks were being laid in the early 1900s, and the house is fully built now. We're living in this house, this Mm. world that's led by experts. They govern every aspect of our lives. I mean, on the news every single night, you're going to hear... Um, experts come on from whatever given field that we're told to listen to. Um, They won't steer us wrong, right? Yet they seem to routinely steer us wrong. And, you know, what they tell us so often is that um, if whatever they said, you know, proved to be wrong before, just trust them this time. They figured out what went wrong and they've corrected it. You know, it's just... I mean, their mistakes are catastrophic. Like, they're big mistakes. A lot when of they're times wrong, they are. it it's huge. 
Yeah, I mean, but we just do it, right? It's the whole the dog returns to its vomit type of idea here. We just keep going back to being expert-led, no thinking for ourselves. Um, because, again, we've been convinced that they're somehow vastly superior in intellect than all of us. And it's in our own best interest to just let them lead and guide us because they're benevolent beings and um, they want what's best for us. all this sort of stuff, which is just not true. Um, it's just not true. So, you know, we see this effect, you know, as well. Um, we talked about, you know, the doctor that's going to convince the mom to get an abortion because the baby might have uh, a birth effect or something like this. You know, never mind what the Bible tells us about life and murder. You know, there's medical experts um, and these politicians, they say that abortion is okay and that even in some cases, it's preferable, right? That's what the experts have determined. And if you're prone to just listening to them, you might be duped into believing that yourself. You know, in Canada, they're even telling you now that if you're even just depressed, right, assisted suicide is a good option, the experts have determined. Um, these experts today are telling you that, you know, your child can change their gender whenever they feel like it. And that kids are, you know, listening to this. Parents are letting their kids listen to this. And they're really going out and mutilating their bodies because of what the experts have determined is the best course of action for them. Um, but it's all based off of lies. You know, we're told, again, the financial experts, right? A yeah. debt society is somehow the best way that to true prosperity and happiness, just be a completely debt-ridden mess from the moment you become an adult till the day you die. That's the best way because the financial experts have told you it's the best way. Um, you know, go and sleep around when you're a young man or a young woman. Have many partners. Go sleep with them all. That's the only way you'll possibly know if you and your partner are a good fit. And all these things are just like telling people what they want to hear. Um in their sin, like the debt one. Yes, that sounds good to the flesh. But people aren't thinking long term, how is this going to affect me or affect a society? These are all like instant gratification things that yeah. people are being pushed uh, to follow. Yeah, I mean, it's trading in the long term or the eternal for the momentary. That's what all the experts have determined is the best for you. Satisfy your pleasures in the moment. Don't worry about the long-term consequences. Um, do what makes you feel good now. So, And a lot of these things, I mean, just with the vaccine, like people are afraid to lose their job, but they're not thinking about their decision um, affecting their children, the next generation. They're yeah. thinking short-term. They might be thinking long-term, you know, just I want to provide for my family and not lose my job, but they need to look further down the road than that. Yeah, I mean, obviously the health consequences, but also just the spiritual consequences of showing your kids what does it look like to stand for Christ, even when it might be difficult. That's a life lesson that your kids need to learn. Um, and you had opportunities and not everyone took it. Yeah, um, like you got to think long term for everybody else, just like how Glenn Beck brought up the William Tyndale. He was thinking long term for everybody else, not for himself. Yeah, and he didn't have, uh, he didn't, I guess, have long-term exposure to the results of his uh, ideas. Right. He was killed. So again, why this is important for Christians is because everywhere, you know, we're being led, we're being propagandized by experts, and almost all of that expertise is leading us away from God. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah. So what should we do about it as Christians? Um, you know, the old GI Joe saying is knowing is half the battle. Uh, <laughs> so you have to know that those in power over us are looking to govern your life and they're doing it based largely on the principle, like Frederick Taylor said, that you're too stupid to govern yourself. They can't trust you with that responsibility, you know, and our complacency in all of this allows those power hungry, greedy, whatever you want to call them, authoritarians, the space that they need to move and operate really against us because um, mm -hmm. they're operating against us really for their own benefit, for their own gain in a lot of respects. Mm -hmm. I mean, just consider the LGBTQ community um, in that movement that we've seen over the last decade or so. You know, complacent Christians have allowed this movement to progress, you know, from where it was in the simple stages of, well, we just want same-sex marriage and the same rights you guys have, to where we are today, where you have, you know, school administrations that are going to help guide your kid into this transgender lifestyle, and they'll do it without even, you know, letting you in on the secret, right? They're going to do it against your knowledge. Um, you know, these experts, right? They pitch themselves as experts, but they don't know what's best for your life necessarily in this world. Um, largely that they've given us, it's not some glorious utopia. So we've had a hundred years of expert-led society, and are we in a utopia now? Because um, this idea, you know, I think it's just anti-American, largely, because this nation was founded on the idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, but today... The experts have given a society that is built all on safety, mm -hmm. materialism, and self-idolatry. So something has gone awry in the last hundred years, it would seem. You know, we've traded God's truth for a lie in a lot of respects. Um, and that lie is largely that we don't need God to provide for us anymore because we have our dear leaders who are going to be taking care of us. So there's really no need for God anymore. So... Um, I think we need to wake up to the fact that nearly everything you're being told is a lie in some form, um, and it's being told to you for a purpose. I, you know, it's not accidental. Again, that's the idea of this slow burn of progressivism. This didn't just happen overnight. This is a plan that's been built on for a century or more. Um, so I think, you know, for Christians, we need to know that there's really only two places that you can go for truth, consistent truth. The first place is a religionless Christianity podcast. I'm just kidding. Um, but it's God's word. That's where you have to go for truth. You have to, it has to start and end in God's word. Yeah. Everything must be tested against it. Um, and you have to trust in your own God-given abilities to, you know, go to God's word, figure out what's best and lead your own family in that direction without just, you know, drooling from the mouth being told, what to do in every decision and, you know, every day of your life, you can make those decisions on your own and don't be afraid to be called a kook or a crazy person. If you don't line up with whatever today's experts telling you is the best thing for you, um, test it all against the word of God and let go of what's, um, in conflict with that. So lastly, how should we pray about it? Um, I think pray that you would be a person that lives by faith and not fear. You know, so much of this expert class, so much of their hold on us is fear-based. You know, they present a problem that's going to affect us, but, you know, 
this problem, it's far too big for you to conquer on your own, right? You can't solve, you can't do anything about this problem. It's too big. It's climate change. You can't do anything about it in your individual life. You just need to give them the control yeah. <laughs> so they can fix it. And then your life can continue on in this joyful bliss that they've created for you. That's kind of the lie they pitch us on endlessly. So, I mean, Christians, we're supposed to be people that are led by faith and not fear. So if the message is fear, then it's probably not from God. That's a safe way to um, determine if it's a godly message or not. Uh, because you've been endowed by our creator. Uh, if you're in Christ, you know, you have uh, the ear of the father. That's one of the things Christ accomplished for us on the cross. He tore the veil. We have the ear of the father. We can go straight to um, the creator to provide for us. Mm -hmm. um, so pray that you would reject fear-based arguments. You know, the, everything, racism, bigotry, sexism, climate change, nuclear war, capitalism in the free markets, right? Disease. It's just fear, 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 fear everywhere you turn. Mm -hmm. And the experts will take away that fear for you. Yeah. Uh, it's not God. It's man-made expertise. And the sad thing is, is we have a lot of pastors who go along with this. So people are really just following the advice of their pastor. All the woke preachers today yeah, for follow sure. along. They believe, you know, they twist the scripture. They think they're obeying God when they obey authorities. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of Christians who are going, you need to be discerning. You need to even question what your pastor is teaching. Um, that's why you need to follow the word of God before you follow even what your pastor says. Like the most important thing I think people can do is, is read the word um, study it and obey it. Absolutely. That's the best thing you can do because you can pray, but God's answers are in his word. You can't just ignore his word, but then ask God for help because we discern right from wrong through his word. So he's not just going to like audibly tell you because it's already written down. Yeah. And don't accept a, well, God told me, mm -mm. even if it's against his word. No, nope. um, don't believe the people who say that. But uh, yeah, it's a fascinating episode, fascinating thought experiment on how we're expertly led in this country. And if it's really been for the best of this country uh, or the, for the betterment of this country, this expertise led society. Um, I'd love to know what you guys think on this. Mm -hmm. If we're off base, if we're wrong, um, please let us know. But otherwise, we're going to try to end here on our movie review. We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. USAA. Restrictions apply. People, Shaq here. It's back to school time. And if you're not one of the millions of people who already own a cartridge-free Epson Ecotake printer, I just got to ask, how are those cartridges working out for you? They still run out of ink at the worst possible time. <laughs> they love to do that. And doesn't it drive you crazy those little things cost a fortune? Enough is enough, people. Don't get cartridge. Switch to Epson EcoTank. Instead of cartridges, EcoTank comes with bottles of ink. Four big bottles of beautiful ink you simply pour into EcoTank's four big ink tanks. The bottles snap in place. Then you just fill and chill. No mess, no stress. EcoTank comes with so much ink, this school year is going to be a breeze. Kids can print their homework, book reports, class projects, pictures, presentations, mathematical formulas, hello, quadratic formula. 
That's my favorite. So come on, people. Don't get cartridged. Switch to Epson EcoTank. And then, just fill and chill. Check it out at EpsonEcoTank.com. So, Nikki and I, you know, we took our kids to go see The Sound of Freedom this week. Uh, Sound of Freedom, if you're not familiar, is the true life story of Tim Ballard and his kind of first major sex trafficking bust. Uh, It was a great movie. Uh, It stars Jim Caviezel. He plays Tim Ballard. Uh, And the movie is, I think it's just powerful. I think that's the easiest way to explain it. It's a powerful movie. Mm -hmm. The message it gets across. And um, Tim Ballard, since this movie, you know, this movie kind of shows when his life started. He had since gone on. He created Operation Underground Railroad, if you guys have heard of that organization, And according to their website, it says OUR has been involved in uh, over 4,000 operations involving over 7,000 trafficked individuals, and they've been involved in over 6,500 arrests. Uh, So Mm. it's been a very successful organization. Uh, But this movie really just highlights where it started, you know, the very beginnings of Operation Underground Railroad before OUR was even a thing. It was just Tim Ballard. Um, trying to rescue these kids. So first off, for you, just what were your overall thoughts of the movie? Um, well, I think just because we had our kids there, I was worried um, being what the movie is about, that there might be scenes that were a little too graphic, but there were not. Um, it's completely safe for your kids. Um, I don't think the young kids would really catch on that it was about sexual abuse. Um, it it doesn't really hint at that much. Um, they would probably grasp it that children were being harmed. Um, and that's about it. There was not a lot of, I don't even know if there was any swearing. There was some crude words, but not like swear words. Um, so that wasn't really bad. Um, there wasn't even a lot of, um, I guess, skin shown. Like they were very, um, you can tell that they were paying uh, attention. They knew that they want families to watch this. They even want kids to be aware. Um, yeah. So it's safe for uh, your kids, I would say. I mean, some people might be a little more strict, but I felt like fine with the kids watching it. Um, I think it's something that, yeah, discuss um, with your kids. Um I mean, definitely is eye opening. Um, it's just <laughs> bring your tissues if you go and watch it. Um, I don't know. I know you have a lot of points you were going to bring up, but I mean, it's a very heavy movie. Um, no, it is, but I do. You know, it is safe for kids. You know, if you have older teenage kids or whatever, they'll probably pick up what's happening. Yeah, uh, or what the idea is with you know the suffering that these kids are going through. But younger kids, you know. And I highly encourage you to bring your kids to this stuff. I mean, this is something we've had discussions about and we've started showing our kids, you know, we watched what is a woman with our yeah. kids and we watched, um, you know, stuff on the the social contagion of transgenderism because this is the world the kids grow up in. And sometimes, you know, as parents, your message can fall on deaf ears because they hear from you endlessly all day long. So having somebody else tell them the message sometimes can hit them a little bit differently. Um, but the movie's completely yeah. safe for your kids. I mean, Tim Ballard and Jim Caviezel, they're Christian men. 
Um, so far as we know, that's what they say. So it would make sense that they would make a movie that wasn't, you know, completely sinful and debaucherous. Right, because it would be going against the whole point of it if they were trying to make it sexually entertaining at all. Yeah, and they didn't. Yeah, um, no. Nope. So I thought, as far as the movie, I thought it was great, first and foremost. It was a very good movie. And the way the movie opens, it's kind of like almost two different movies. Like the first half of the movie almost kind of explains to you what sex trafficking kind of is and how it happens in the world. And then the second half of the movie is kind of the operation is almost the way it's broken up. Mm. Um, but the opening of the movie kind of shows you how children are lured into this trafficking business and even how families can be deceived into bringing their kids to these monsters. You know, the kids are brought by parents, right? Um, like they just want an opportunity for their kid to succeed in life. Right, because they don't so pitch they it trust as, hey. the people who are giving the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. certainly people that are just depraved and will give their kids over for stuff. But right. these ones are, you would assume, parents that they have good intentions for their kid. They're just being deceived. Yeah. Um, and the movie gives a stat at the end that this is a $150 billion industry, the sex trafficking industry. $150 billion industry. And it's the fastest growing international crime in history. And I think they gave the stat that sex trafficked images online have grown by 5,000% in the last few years. And to make matters worse, they say America is the number one consumer of trafficked material. Um, so doesn't that just make you feel good on this Independence Month to wave the old stars and bars there? Uh, America, the number one consumer of sex trafficked images. Celebrate um, our freedom, but keeping people in slavery. Yeah, but the experts have told you that, you know, lust and masturbation, all of this is perfectly natural. It's the way you explore your own body. That's what the experts have told us. Ugh. Not that it's sin and debauchery that'll lead you to hell. No, no, no. The experts, they'll tell you it's okay, right? Um, but so not only do I think this is a really good movie, um, I think even more than that, it's the movie has an incredibly important uh point uh the the idea of the movie i think is what's great about it and even more so than as good as the movie is and the acting and the cinematography all that the idea and the the point of the movie is so important you know we talked about nefarious that movie came out just a few weeks ago and we reviewed that movie and i recommend still that you watch nefarious but i would recommend that you watch it after you watch the sound of freedom go watch the sound of freedom and then watch Nefarious to understand how people can act like they do in Sound of Freedom because they're demonic, right? You see what, de you know, the demonic looks like, you know, because as we've said before, it's, it's not what you would think. You know, it's not a devil with, you know, red skin, horns, and a pitchfork, right? In the movie here, it's depicted as, um, a, I think the girl was a beauty pageant winner beautiful girl who's sort of one of the lead monsters in the movie you know you would never expect it right very you, sneaky because women are more trusting yeah i mean all these trust a woman more than a man gender you know, affirmation doctors and stuff kids. that are hacking your kids genitals off right they look like respected members of society right so uh, there are a few scenes that stood out to me in this movie um, that we'll just try to highlight here um, the first one, again, they're talking about how they these kids were lured in. 
they're depicting how these kids are lured in. And there's a photo shoot that they show in the movie uh, of these children, all these different kids lined up in these photo shoots. And it kind of starts out as just normal photos, little kids, you know, standing there smiling or whatever. Mm-hmm. But as a progressive or progresses, the photos kind of become more sultry. And it's not too, it's not bad. It's just no, very no. subtle. I think it would take an adult to kind of understand yeah. how the transformation in the kids is happening, where it's going from just innocent photos to like these young girls trying to look sexualized in their pictures. And, you know, what struck me is you could obviously tell what the point of these more sultry photos were for, because you knew what the movie was about. Mm-hmm. But like, we do this to our own children, you know? can we stop sexualizing children just on a daily basis? You know, we put makeup on kids too fast. We let little girls go dressed in bikinis, yoga pants, you know, crop top shirts, all this sort of stuff. I mean, just the kids who are in like, well, I I mean, I don't even like ballet or dance outfits, cheer. That's sexualizing your children for the sake of their sport or whatever they're in. Yeah, and it's at I very young age. I really dislike that. Um, and especially in a society now where we have this LGBTQ movement where they're like openly discussing, you know, perversion of your kids and sexualizing your kids. They speak about it openly. This whole nation that we live in seems hell bent on sexualizing children. Yeah. Um, and even people, again, that we would say would claim to never want to do something like that. But we do it and we do it maybe without even thinking about it in the photos that we take of our kids, the clothes and the makeup that we let them wear. Um, It's just all too much, especially when you realize that there are predators out there and there are lots of them Mm -hmm. and to dress our kids up this way. And um, it's not being protective of them. And I know that can sound harsh. We're not trying to be judgmental. It's just what stood out to me in this movie. It made me think about that. Like, man, you know, because we canceled our Netflix subscription years ago when they came out with that movie cuties or whatever mm-hmm. where it was the little girls like dance team and it was super like hyper sexualizing these young kids we we're like man that's really gross but um i just think we have to be aware of it you know we have to protect our kids and part of that is not letting them grow up too fast um because yeah. this world wants to make it wants them to grow up fast and um it can be to their own danger at times kids need to be kids they don't need to be mini adults um And the second thing that I liked about this, um, I think it was really smart for them to put in there. They showed like real um, CCTV footage of kids being snatched in broad daylight. You know, like there was, it was only maybe a minute or so of uh, CCTV footage, but it was like kids just playing outside by the street and people just roll up on motorcycles and just grab one of the kids and go. Um, There was like a scene of a mom, looked like she was maybe sleeping in a bus stop with her kid and just walk up and grab the kid right out from her arms and they're gone. Um, just to show you that this is very real. It happens. It happens in broad daylight. It's not some seedy dark web, you know, in some foreign country, it happens in broad daylight all around the world. Um, I just thought that was a very smart way of making it, um, real and, personable personable i guess to the people watching the movie there you're like my kids play outside i know but not that you want to be fearful of it but just to make it real that doesn't make you very paranoid and i mean you have to pray that pray for your kids 
always pray they'd be invisible to people with evil intent. Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, because we don't want to be people that live by fear, and that's not what we're trying to get across here. It's just that this is real. We need to open our eyes to it uh, because there is suffering in the world, and we don't want to ignore it. We need to realize how pervasive this really is. So uh, I just thought that was very genius on their part. Um, another thing the movie highlights well is that these are obviously incredibly sadistic people. They're debauched people in every sense, but they're very well planned out mm. uh, type of people who engage in this enterprise. Again, it's an international crime organizations. Um, mm. These aren't just one-off lunatics. Um, these are well-organized um, people. And one of the point Tim Ballard brought up, I don't know if it was in the movie, it might've been in an interview. I think he did with Jordan Peterson uh, on his podcast. But he mentioned that there's even like sex factories uh, or sex trafficking factories in Africa. And I went and just found a story here. Do you want to read these two paragraphs? Baby factories are more common in the southeastern part of Nigeria, where security operatives have carried out several raids, including an operation last year when 19 pregnant girls and four children were rescued. Women and girls are held captive to deliver babies who are then sold illegally to adoptive parents, forced into child labor, trafficked into prostitution, or, as several reports suggest, ritually killed. Yeah, so, I mean, you hear something like trafficking factories, and you go, that's ludicrous. Well, this is an article from Al Jazeera uh, making the case, and, you know, it kind of explains, you know, that these girls, Boko uh, Haram is one of the organizations. They'll just, again, kind of lure girls in, kidnap them, whatever they have to do, and they'll basically rape them every day until they get them pregnant, rape them while they're pregnant. And then once the baby's born, they send the women off and sell the baby. It's a trafficking factory in a sense. Um, and it's important to understand that it's this sex trafficking, human trafficking thing is more demonic than we realize, mm. um, more horrific than we even realize. So what are the people buying the babies, people who just want a baby and don't have evil intent? Like, right, and they do say that in here that a lot of these babies will get sold to orphanages or in for adoption. Sometimes they just know. want the money and they don't really care. Right, it's they, whatever. It's essentially whatever you want to buy the baby for. You want to buy it to sexually abuse. What do they care? If you want to adopt it, sure. If you want to sacrifice in the, it. In the movie, it. when he was talking to one of the guys about like, you know, you have that child for. 10, 15 years, you continue making money off of it. So it just doesn't make sense that they would just get rid of a baby if they could continue making a profit off it through its years. Well, it's just, I mean, I guess you're trying to make a profit off of it any way you can. Um, and I'm sure if you're... Maybe they it, make more. How much does it say that they, people adopt them for? Like I think private? it's about $2,000. Um it lists some price in here, two thousand to three thousand um, dollars American, but that is one of the points that Tim Ballard makes in the movie that why this is the fastest growing crime in human history. It's like you know, you can sell a bag of cocaine one time and it gets used, but if you kidnap a kid, you can sell them five to ten times a day for five to ten years and make all of that money. 
Um, which again, to think on that thought will keep you up at night. But I think the most moving part in this entire movie, at least for me, and you can bring up your own point if you want, but there is a, uh, a part in the movie where the main little girl that they're kind of trying to rescue, she gets, you know, she's in some seedy kind of South American hotel room and there's some drunk guy that has just bought her or just paid for her for the night or whatever it happens to be for the moment he paid for her. Um, he basically comes in and rapes her again. Like Nikki says, it's not graphic, but it alludes to what's happening. So you can understand what's happening. So he rapes her and then it's like, it's after the fact and you see her, this little girl sitting in this, um, bathtub she's maybe eight or nine years old this little girl they don't really tell you in the movie how old she is maybe eight or nine and she's just like alone in this gross bathtub just crying you know after she's been raped by this guy and it just breaks your heart you know to think of any child having to live a life that way um because as the movie you know you realize in the movie right like this isn't the first time that she'd been raped. She'd been in sex trafficking for a while and it wasn't the last time. It was just a time. One of countless times that she'd been bought, raped, and left alone. Um, and it just, I thought that part in the movie hit really hard. Um, and there was a part in the movie where Jim Caviezel says something to the effect of, nobody wants to hear about this. It's too ugly for polite conversation. And shameful, um, but I think that's true, that that is the case and why this doesn't get discussed as openly as it probably should. Um, because even as awful as that scene in the movie was and as hard as it hit and pulled on your heartstrings, that's probably still far better than what many little boys and girls that are in this environment, this trafficked environment, in this situation get. Many of them don't get a warm bath in a hotel room after they've been raped. Um, that's a nicety that many of these demonic and sadistic people won't extend to them. So as hard as it was to watch that little girl, you're like, that's the best case scenario for what these kids get. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think for Christians, I think we need to have our hearts broken over sin, uh, far more often than we do. You know, we live in this kind of unreal bubble, you know, for the most part, uh, living in America is moderately well-off people. We're in a bubble that's shielded from the horrors of most of the world. Yeah. Um, and if we're going to try to be the hands and feet of Christ in this world, we need to know what this world looks like. Yeah, uh, we're just too caught up in what's being pushed in our faces, you know, the victim mindset and yeah, just the pride of life. Pretty much. We're too distracted, too self-focused to stop and care. Yeah, and that's the problem. We're so distracted. And again, I would believe it's on purpose, mm -hmm. um, satanic, to keep us distracted, um, keep us occupied with the senseless and the worthless, um, so we don't actually focus on the important and the eternal uh, like we should, and I think we need to. And I don't want, you know, because the Bible is, you know, talks about Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Um, you know, Paul tells us, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Um, now that of course is right. 
That's what we should be focused on as Christians, focused on the good, the true, and the beautiful and all of that. But that doesn't mean that we should be ignorant of the suffering in the world, you know, because sometimes you'll hear people say, like, I don't want to think about that. It's too horrific or all this sort of stuff. You know, it's too ugly for polite conversation. And I think that's the wrong uh, mindset. We -hmm. should be focused on the good, um, on who God is and the beauty and this sort of stuff, but not to be completely ignorant of the suffering in the world around us, Um, because we need to understand who people are and what their experiences are, if we're going to try to be the hope that they need, if we're going to bring the hope that they need, we need to understand what hope they actually need, right? Because if you're bringing the solution to your American problem to a nine-year-old sex traffic girl in South America, it's not going to be a lot of help to her, right? She doesn't want to know how you, you know, put a debt snowball into action to get yourself out of debt. That's not a big help to her right now. Um, She needs far more help than what you can offer her. And if you're not aware of what she needs because you don't understand her situation, you can't help her uh, by and large. Um, And this world is broken in a thousand pieces, but Jesus Christ is the solution and the healing to all of it. So Mm -hmm. um, I think Tim Ballard mentions in this movie that there, or it was either in this movie or somewhere else, but there's roughly 2 million children that are being actively sex trafficked in the world right now. Uh, That's just simply too much suffering, too much pain for us as Christians to ignore or to push out of our minds because it's too unpleasant to think about. Uh, We simply can't do that. We have to face those horrors, I think, as Christians. Um, It doesn't mean you can't focus on the good and the godly, but you have to understand where people are if you're going to bring the hope of Christ to them. Um, in their, you know, moments of need. So it's just crazy how children are targeted in different ways. I mean, we have the sex trafficking, but like we talk about all the time, just getting children to go through transgender surgery, like abortion. There's just so much hatred of children. Just people look at children as just a way to make profit at their destruction. Yeah, and I think abortion and sex trafficking, I think they go hand in hand um, because it's largely it's hatred of kids and it's love of self that leads you into largely to both. You know, um, I mean, even your the, life means more. Yeah, I just was thinking how these like, I mean, a lot of transgender people, um, just this girl on Facebook, that girl that was kind of arguing with me when I was asking questions about where does the military draw the line in celebrating pride? And I, I said something um, about, oh, if there's a pride parade on base, um, I'd like to know about it so I can keep my kids inside because I don't know what they're going to be exposed to. And then she was like, well, you should keep your kids inside because kids are disgusting and they're a hazard. I'm like, that's exactly what they think of kids. It can be. It really it was kind of like, yeah, I'm not surprised someone like you said that. Someone who's pro sin, sexual sin. That's it was just very telling of the whole movement, all the people who are in it. Um Yeah, I mean, I think it goes hand in hand. You know, when you love yourself, that's your chief love, then you know, you'll use other people to, I guess, whatever uh ends you need to make yourself feel gratified or whatever happened, whether that's abortion, sex trafficking, 
all this sort of stuff. And it's all the same. Yeah. You know, when you're the most important thing in the world and your desires are the most important, then you'll satisfy them however you need. Um, but this movie, you know, it does leave you with hope. You know, it's not all awful. It does leave you, when you leave the theater, you leave with a good feeling. Um, and I think that's important. You know, you don't want to be nefarious, doesn't. <laughs> it leaves you with a very uh, sick feeling in your stomach. Uh, this movie does not. It leaves you with a sense of hope. And there's also end, uh, like an end credit scene. So if you stick around after the credits, there's a scene there that you shouldn't miss. You should stay and listen. It's a message that is very important to hear, I think. Um, so it leaves you feeling good. But as we mentioned, I think it's a movie you can and should take your children to, um, because there isn't anything overtly inappropriate for them to watch. Everything is implied. Mm -hmm. uh, but I believe that children should watch this movie, like we said before, because they need to understand the world that they find themselves in. This is the world that they're growing up in. Uh, that's just our opinion. You don't have to take that, but we think it's valuable for kids to see yeah, it'll help them have the mindset to protect children because the world is trying to teach them to hate children. Um, I think them seeing the main character cry a lot over it in the movie, um, that men can cry, that's okay. <laughs> it is in okay. very specific instances. Um, I mean, for children to see men stand up. No, it's good. Against wickedness and protect the most vulnerable. I think it's very important for your kids to see. Yeah, I think it's very good for them to see. Um, and again, it can make a point that you're trying to make in you know your own life that maybe they kind of tuned out at some point. It can reinforce that idea a little bit differently. So um, the last point I want to make about the movie, there's a scene where one of the guys who's helping Tim Ballard talks about why his life changed, You know how he came about from being you know kind of a gangster to changing to wanting to help these children. And he tells the story in there of a prostitute that he slept with. Um, and he says, you know, he thought she was in her 20s. It turns out after they had done the deed, she was 14. And he said he had talked to her and she'd been in that line of work, this trafficked business, since she was six, he said. And that was the moment that broke him. And I think his quote in there, he said, I'm the darkness in her eyes and the darkness needs to die. And I was like, that is a good thought process to have. And, you know, thankfully, rather than killing himself, he gave his life to Christ. Um, so he did die to the old man, but he found new life in Christ. Um, and I thought that was a good point to make in that movie. And that would be the point I would leave you with. You know, if you're still a partaker of pornography or worse, you're a partaker of prostitution, whatever it happens to be, you are that darkness. Um, you are the darkness in those girls' eyes. You know, your porn habit, your lust, it is subsidizing these young children's life of misery and suffering. Um, you can try to push it out of your mind, but you shouldn't. You got to come face to face with that fact. Um, and the darkness in you needs to die to the light of Christ. Uh, there's no making excuses. There's no rationalizing away that sin. No pretending that, well, the women I look at online, they're not the ones Stop making excuses for it. It needs to die, and it needs to die today. Um, submit your life to Christ. Repent. Cry out for God's mercy. He's faithful and just to forgive you. Uh, but this world has enough darkness in it. What it needs is more light. So 
I thought that was a great point by him. But do you have any yeah. final thoughts on this episode? I know this is another long episode. I promise they won't all be two hours going forward. No, nope, I don't have any. All right. So for our sermon recommendation this week, as I mentioned, we will have the Glenn Beck. They're not sermon recommendations. Forgive me. Who's saying it? <laughs> listening recommendations, um, if you will, our listening recommendations. If you want to give Glenn Beck's podcast a listen, it'll be down in the show notes as well um, on the sort of how we got to this place of being ruled by supposed experts. Mm. And then our second one is going to be a conversation with Tim Ballard on, you know, just this idea of sex traffic children and how we can help so you can go give that a listen. It's on the Lewis Howes show, I guess. Yeah, there's really no point in talking about all this unless you can help in some way. Like, Yeah, and we'll also leave links in the show notes to Operation Underground Railroad if you want to just help support them. You know, because a lot of times you can hear stuff like this and go, oh, I want to help, but like, how do I help a sex trafficked girl in, you know, Columbia? I don't even know where to start. Well, you don't need to know. Um, Tim Ballard, Operation Underground Railroad, and there's other organizations, but we'll leave a link to them. The easiest way to help is just support them with some money because they already have the organization in place. But like everything in this world, it need, it takes money you know, to get a lot of this stuff done, especially when you watch the movie and you realize it takes a lot of money sometimes to get, because these are well-planned out international organizations. You can't just walk in there and go, hey, show me where you keep 100 young women, right? Like, it doesn't really work that way. It takes a lot of money, a lot of time and planning and workers. And mm -hmm. so easiest way to help is with some money and with some prayer. Don't yes. forget to pray for these men, for these women, um, for these kids. Uh, but we'll leave links there. So if you want to support them uh, and then go watch the movie, um, I think just having your eyes open to that is a helpful um, way to figure out what needs prayer, what needs, you know, your financial support and all these sorts of things. And if by God's grace, you're moved to action, then go get involved. <laughs> Don't squelch that uh, desire to go get involved, go get involved. So uh, that is all we have. We'll be back on Monday with our daily devotionals. Um, you have my word next week. We'll have an episode one hour and 15 minutes long, max. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but by God's grace, it'll be an hour and 15 minutes or less. I will pray for that. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next week. God bless. Mm -hmm.